Hey, this is Scott Gall from Blackstar Writers and Thin Lizzy, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 146. It is Brando coming up momentarily in an interview with the legendary guitarist Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy, Black Star Writers, who have a new album coming out. And then after that, we're going to be speaking with, again, Russ TCB from MyGNRForum.com. We're going to get him back on for Shotgun News, because since the last episode, there have been more song leaks. So we're going to talk about that and introduce a new segment because Russ needs to apologize for something. So stick around for that. But in the meantime, I don't want to keep this legend waiting. Scott Gorham, uh, I just can't thank you enough for, for joining us today. It's just an honor and a pleasure to have you on the AFD show. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Where, where, you know, there's, there's in a city. Where, where are you calling from? I am calling from Tribeca, New York City. Okay, cool, man. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Uh, just honored and humbled that I get to speak with you this morning. <laughs> okay. Now, do you, just looking at the, uh, this is like a little sidebar here. Looking at the, the weather report, are you guys going through like some really hot weather right now? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I always associate September. Uh, here in in the states, or I should say, more of the Northeast, New York, of being fall weather, but still going outside at night, short sleeves. It's been warm. Whatever keeps the snow away is is good by me. How about you? Where are you calling from, if you don't mind me asking? I'm I'm in London. I live in London, and I'm looking at clear blue skies, about seventy two degrees. So I'm, I'm yeah. I think I'm sitting a little prettier than you are right now. You just mentioned that you live in London, but where do you normally record? Do you record there as well, somewhere else? I guess to be more specific, where did you record the new Black Star Writers album, Another State of Grace? Well, you know, uh, uh, Another State of Grace was recorded in Los Angeles, as opposed to the last two albums we did in uh, Nashville. But uh, we did this album in uh, Spear Studios in Burbank, uh, absolutely beautiful studio. I think uh, if I had my way, and I and I think I'm going to get it. You know, we're going to do. A, uh, and if we're lucky enough to do another one, you know, we're going to do that again at uh, Spear Studios in Burbank. Yeah, great place. So, with this new album, was it a challenge to record, or was it easy? I guess compared to others, and I ask that because you have two new members in the band. Yeah, you know, that's a good question, because with uh, two new guys, you uh, there's always that question mark, you know, how is this going to work out? You know, we've done three in the the other way with uh, the other members. But I think what happened with this one is everybody knew how important this was. Uh, the magnifying glass was going to be on, and uh, it kind of made it so we all came together really quickly in a really great way. Uh 
this album was recorded also in a or written in a completely different way. Uh, Christian Martucci, who was on tour with Stone Sour, said, "Can we try writing it this way? You guys send me all your ideas. I've got my Pro Tools on the road, and while I've got uh, downtime, which you do have a lot of on the road." I will start gluing all these different parts together and just start assembling them in song form. And uh, so I threw, uh, uh, or texted and emailed 20 ideas. I think Ricky had 25. Uh, Robbie, the bass player, he threw a couple in. And that was Christian for really the next uh, maybe four or five weeks, kind of gluing all these different parts that we had together and sending them off to us and see what we thought. And for the most part, uh, we really liked how he was doing this. Uh, and really, you know, the main advantage of that is you have to record uh, albums now and you have to, you have to do it so quickly that, that, that things go by really fast. So any way that we could save time before we got in was going to be a bonus. And this definitely saved us uh, a whole shed load of time. Uh, and it, it really worked out. It was a system that I really wasn't going to think was going to work out. Cause I like sitting in a room with people, eyeball to eyeball, shoulder to shoulder, bouncing off ideas, but uh, it really did work. And it saved us so much time that when we got uh, into rehearsals, uh, we had kind of 15 skeleton kind of songs ready to go and ready to work on. So yeah, it was a great way to work it. What was the the mindset with recruiting Christian Martucci, who, as you mentioned, worked with Stone Sour, and Chad, uh, formerly Breaking Benjamin and Black Label Society? Did you want to get heavier because they're heavier bands that they were previously with? Because it still has that signature Black Star Rider sound. It still sounds like Thin Lizzy. What was the approach to making this album? Well, you know, the reason you get certain people in to fill a certain position in bands is, you know, not necessarily because of where they came from. It's because you know what, what they can do and what they can bring to the table for you. So, uh, you know, in under no uncertain terms, we had any of us said you have to play like this and you have to think like that. You know, the whole idea, the whole uh, creative process is – show me what you got, you know, here's like, I said, here's the skeleton part of the song, you know, Chad, lay down a drum beat for me. Show me how you're feeling this. And it's, it's the same with, uh, uh, Christian Martucci, the new guitar player. What do you got? You know, let's, let's hear what you've got. And then I'll show you what I've got. And then we'll all come together and, uh, and see, see what happens, you know? So now there was no, uh, uh, because we've already done, uh, you know, three or four albums uh, that we have to sound like this. It's going to be what it's going to be at the end of the day. When we get done with this album, it's going to sound the way it's going to sound. The songs are going to get written the way they're going to get written, written, period, Don't no matter what. So that was more, you know, kind of the unspoken thought process that uh, that we all kind of went through. And, and it's, you, you have to give a musician freedom. You can't tell them. You know, you have to play like this or that. So I, I think that uh, thought process really, really worked, uh, especially for this album. I know we're a little short on time. Are you familiar with the the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game? No, I'm not. Uh, it, that's a movie, right? <laughs> well, it's actually, I guess, more of a game. A six degrees of separation. People use Kevin Bacon as an example where you can name 
any actor from any movie and trace it within six steps back to Kevin Bacon. So we just use the same premise for the band Guns N' Roses. Wow. So I wanted to ask you, because Axel is famously influenced by you, uh, by Thin Lizzy, and he famously wore a Thin Lizzy shirt at that really iconic MTV Ritz show. So I'm just curious what that meant to you, what that means to you now. Yeah, well, he uh, talked to one of our uh, managers, actually, and he's, he's... Uh, said when he was out uh, when he was a kid out on the streets, uh, kind of by himself, kind of roaming around, he would get uh, these lyrics that uh, Phil had written in his head. So, especially one song is called "We Will Be Strong," and he said he just kind of kept repeating those uh, lyrics, you know, in his head when things got down for him, and, and it brought him straight back up again. And, you know, gave him a lot of confidence. So. Uh, yeah, I thought that was great that he, that he was wearing the, you know, the Thin Lizzy t-shirts. Uh, uh, it's a very cool band. I've always liked Guns N' Roses. In fact, we got uh, Richard Fortas, who's one of the guitar players in Guns N' Roses, in uh, on one of the uh, Thin Lizzy tours that we did. You know, so uh, no, I th- I think it's a great band. They've they've uh, they've done so well for themselves. It's it's unbelievable. So yeah, Axel, keep wearing the shirt. <laughs> right on. And correct me if I'm wrong, before Blackstar Riders changed their name to Blackstar Riders, when it was still Thin Lizzy, you opened up for Guns N' Roses for some UK dates in 2012. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. We did. We did. Yeah, that was uh, 2000. It was great. You know, I mean, it was uh, uh, massive audiences. We got to know the band really well. Uh, uh, Axel showed me his Black Rose uh, tattoo, which was which was uh, kind of cool, you know. Uh, and you you got to uh, you know after doing uh, several shows with him, you realized what uh, how really good these guys were, uh, music musician wise, not just as people, but uh, uh, musician wise. These guys are the real deal, you know. They're not just up there because they've got like you know a couple of great songs and all that. These guys really know how to play them, and they. Uh, uh, and they know how to present them, you know, at the same time. So, uh, and it was great. You know, I mean, the audiences were great. All, you know, the uh, obviously do, doing the uh, the British side of things. You know, the, the audiences really knew all of the Thin Lizzy songs. So, reaction was very cool. So, it was all good. <clears throat> uh, I thought it was a great tour. Very cool. Last question for you: What do you want fans to take away from the new album, Another State of Grace? Well, really, you know, it's it it, 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 it can seem really dark, you know, when uh, when when a, when a couple of people, you know, you know, leave your organization. But uh, in my experience, you know, that that had happened to me so many times in, in Thin Lizzy that I and we kept coming back and we kept you know getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. What's you know what that made me realize that you know if one one or so people leave, you know, hey, guess what? The world keeps spinning, you know, and you're on it and you keep going with it. So uh, it's only down to yourself if it gets really dark because there's always somebody out there that wants to jump up on stage with you and hopefully make it even bigger and better. Scott Gorham, I can't thank you enough for your time. You have a great day and hope to have you back. Thank you. And listen, thank you so much for the support. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. What a nice man, uh, Scott Gorham. Very cool, legendary and if you haven't already, check out the latest uh, Black Star Writers because it sounds like Thin Lizzy. 
I know they, they had to change their name. And I give them kudos for doing that, for changing their name, because, you know, Thin Lizzy is so uh, identifiable with, with Phil, and he's been gone for so long, and how many bands continue with not their lead singer. Uh, b- best example might be, you know, even though he's a, a friend, but Alex Grassi and in and, and Quiet Riot. And, and now they, they just lost their lead singer, James Durbin, from American Idol. He wants to focus on the solo stuff, so they're back with Jizzy Pearl, but of course they're still... Quiet Riot. There's a lot of ways to go about it, and we've certainly have had these discussions within the the Guns N' Roses world. But uh, that's another conversation for another time. So let's uh, move on to news. And this was kind of unexpected, and makes me wish that I lived in L.A. Uh, I mean, New York City is pretty great, but all the stuff's going down in L.A. First Guns N' Roses show they have announced. Attention LA, we're back playing the City Sound Vault at the Palladium this Saturday, 921. So as we're recording this, it's the uh, 16th. So if you're a City Card member, and I guess a Night Train member, uh, you get to go to this intimate show. You lucky bastard. I assume, uh, uh, Rusty CB, you're not going from uh, Detroit to LA this weekend. I am not. No, there's a uh, uh, Vegas might still be in the cards uh, in uh, early November, but uh, no, I, I on five days notice I cannot make it to about four thousand miles away. No, uh, it's it's cool though. I'm I'm hoping that some people use um, a Periscope or just take some live vids uh, videos to for the first show and see how it goes. This second half of or third half or fourth act or whatever of not in this lifetime that. Uh, seems to be continuing forever and a lifetime. So it's going to be pretty cool yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that we're getting right into it. I thought we were going to have to wait maybe a few more weeks or a month. Uh, I, I know I've mentioned to you I'm going down to Texas for the first time uh, next month for Louder Than Life, and I'm just really excited to see them for the first time in a, a festival setting. But uh, I, I wish I had the Yeah, means. that'll be interesting. That's the one thing I've never done. I've seen GMR in just about every other setting. Uh, I've seen him indoor, outdoor, in a theater. I've seen him in a uh, stadium. You know, I've seen, I've actually seen him kick off their tour. You know, because he did that here in Detroit uh, back in 2016. Uh, but I've never seen him at a festival. I know, it, but generally festivals are a much bigger thing for them, or have been historically in, in Europe, anyways. So I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see them doing the uh, festival circuit uh, this year. There's some of the bigger ones they missed out on. I was surprised they weren't part of like uh, Riot Fest or Lala or uh, something along those lines. But they are dev- they're. Dev- definitely hitting a whole bunch of the other ones. There's a bunch of festivals I didn't even know about until I, it was like GNR is headlining this festival. I was like, the what festival? You yeah. Know? Like the, have you ever heard of the exit 11, one 11 fest? Nope. I, yeah. I had never heard of I that. I mean, I have now, either. but I haven't. <laughs> I guess that's why these festivals yeah, get guns and roses. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Must be a decent sized festival or, or even, I don't even know the history of a lot of these festivals. Maybe that's the way they're putting their name on the map, you know? Well, as we we can use this to transition into our next segment, and I do have another soundbite for that in a second. But do you anticipate like anything new? What are you What are you expecting from that first show? Uh, like any? Is it going to be the same, more or less the same set list? Very uh, cover heavy. Uh, maybe slither slither in there. Maybe um, like what, what What do you expect? Like anything new that may may have leaked recently? You no. Know? We could sit and speculate all day, uh, and I, I can quickly find myself in a, um, 
a status of going, well, here's what I'd really like, you know, but as to what I expect, me personally, I think that, you know, we'll probably see some minor set list changes. We'll probably see, you know, maybe uh, one of the non-singles dropped and uh, maybe a, a non-single or a fan favorite uh, picked up. And we're talking about from the back catalog, you know, okay. um, I guess it's a little more speculative than anything, but man, would I like to see some of the covers dropped, you know, just if nothing else, and not even replaced, just, you know, just a leaner, meaner um, set list. Plus, you know, one thing uh, I think, I'm, I know nothing about this show on Saturday except for the fact that it was just announced it's a surprise show. It's a, um, uh, it's in a, I think it's a 5,000 seater, someone said on the forum today. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I, I would expect maybe, if nothing else, I guess I would expect maybe a truncated set list on Saturday. Okay. Um, maybe not the same full set list that they're going to get like next Wednesday in Charlotte, like when the um, when the full tour kicks off. And I know, like for example, at the Troubadour, they did what I consider to be a really short set, uh, and then when they moved on into Vegas, they did things that shocked the hell out of everybody, like, um, you know, the rest of the Chinese songs and, and coma and whatnot. So if if we're going by what I expect, I would say that maybe this Saturday, everybody might say on the forums, will say, uh, you know, like, Oh, this set list seems kind of short, but we probably won't see like the full set list until the first scheduled show on the 25th. That's true. And we've also been spoiled as as Guns N' Roses fans. I know people complain about the set list, but the fact that we get such a a long set list, no other band is doing that. So when they do a a truncated or shorter set list, which would be just fine for every other act, but for Guns N' Roses, it's, it's... it's shorter, so it's well. Kind of- you know, I, I you're never going to believe this, but I have a lot of thoughts on on this uh, quote unquote set list pitching that goes on. And so, my personally, my only complaint with the set list, and it's literally a new complaint by a new by GNR standards within the last like three years, is just that I just don't understand adding cover after cover after cover. Like I, I you know, I get Chris Cornell passed away. We want to draw a big tribute to him. You know, obviously somebody in the band, um, Glenn Campbell means a great deal too. And right. that's why they um, added Wichita lineman. I get that, but you know, there's just things that I don't get adding to the set list that, that seem to make it for the length of the set list, you know, now on the other hand, um, I totally subscribed to the, uh, and this was back, like, she's back in 2006 or seven, Axel really went off about the set list bitching and, and, uh, in a rant at one of the shows. And I totally subscribed to what Axel said about that. Like it's, it's not the band's fault that we live in an instant society now. Um, and just because a bunch of people are sitting around on a forum listening to welcome to the jungle every single night of the tour, doesn't mean that some audience shouldn't hear welcome to the jungle or yes, yes. live and let die or sweet child of mine. Like, you know, those, those people, the five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand people that paid to be there, like they—that's what they—that they paid to hear "Sweet Child of Mine." Yes, you know. So I don't have any issue with that at all. Um, I, I the, the only two things I would ever want to see from them is one, just, just, just not so many covers, and, and two, it just. It was a little more fun for me back in the Use Your Illusion days when they would at least um, rotate openers and switch things around. Like if you look at stuff from the first leg of the Use Your Illusion tour, I mean, they would do like Patience. It's like the fourth song or, uh, you know, they would open with Pretty Tied Up or Right Next Door to Hell or Perfect Crime or something like that. I'm not saying bring those songs back permanently, but it wouldn't hurt anything just to 
you know, I, whatever, come out one night and open with Jungle, and then the next night it's so easy, and then the following night Brownstone, or, you know, just little things like that kind of shake it up uh, for people because, again, while I understand that everybody's sitting there uh, is the ones that paid for the show, the fans do follow it, and it just would help, you know, I guess if they just shook it up a little bit, I think that would end a lot of the complaints. I agree with that, and a lot of that same line of thinking goes with uh, regular terrestrial radio, a song, uh, uh, stations that seemingly play the same songs over and over again, but they're not really meant for the diehards that want to hear the deepest of deepest uh, Zeppelin cuts. They want like the majority wants to hear Stairway to Heaven, so that's why radio stations do that. Uh, they're kind of going for the uh, the common man, not, not the, the the uber geeks that that we are, because we're well, we're outnumbered uh, in a, in a sense. So they have to please. You know, the, it's, the funny, it's funny you mentioned that this this last weekend. I was one of the rock stations here in Detroit was doing like a you know whatever triple shot weekend or whatever. Every <laughs> every market has the same name for it, you know, and uh, and uh, it was like almost every act that came on. You know, they were like, oh, we'll be back with three from Van Halen. And it was like you could just, you know, name what three songs it was uh-huh. going to be. Oh, yeah. But uh, all weekend long, they kept throwing in at least one that you would be like, no shit. You know, like, how about that? They're playing this on the radio, which I, you know, somebody got their way in a meeting. You know, it was like, let's say, you know, yeah, we're going to play Jump in Panama, but we're also going to play, you know, something off of Van Halen 2 or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh yeah, it, was, it was just, it was a really unique experience uh, this past weekend. I hope people do like that more, but what you said is totally true. You know, if you, if, if the Joe, if Joe Blow calls in and says, uh, Hey, you know, it's the crazy hour at noon with, you know, Joey on the rock station. What, you know, what do you want to hear? And a guy goes GNR and better starts playing. The guy's going to be like, no, I wanted to hear GNR, you know, <laughs> like, I, you know, like I just, it is what it is. You know, you, when people say guns and roses, they mean sweet child of mine and welcome to the jungle. Yeah, it is. But I do, I do like that that idea and what they did back with in the Illusion days of a non-predictable set of just maybe moving songs around. I, I just know they can open up with it so easy. And it would be nice to be surprised by Mr. Brownstone or Welcome to the Jungle. Those are going to be in the set list. Uh, everyone is paying to hear those songs. But kick it off a little differently and, and see where it goes. And something else, too, uh, before we, we shift... And it's again. I'm bringing up fucking Dave Matthews again on this podcast, but it's a, oh a it's a matter of like jamming. Sometimes it instead of just having like a rehearsed solo, but if Slash is up there jamming with Richard, and it's just this impromptu back and forth uh, stuff that Dave Matthews does with Tim Reynolds and, and other uh, members of that band, where it's just an organic thing to that specific show. I think that would be kind of cool. We'll see. Yeah, that's it's been debated on the forum a, a great deal too, and there's like a lot of people who um, say the stage show plays into it. Like when you have a stage show as big as GNR does, that um, yeah, I, I don't. I I'm going to say in advance I don't know all the particulars of this, but I've seen people make claims that like uh, the pyro and the, uh, the the backing uh, videos and the lighting and all that can play into that. Um, but my argument for that has always been, you know, I've seen bands like. Uh, you know, Pink Floyd, who who is famous for, you know, they, they pioneered everything that GNR has bits and pieces of as far as their stage show goes. Um, and they were always able to do things like that. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I don't know where the answer is on that. But, yeah, like, I think one thing you might have been alluding to was, um, like, take Double Talk and Jive, for instance. Whenever they go into Double Talk and Jive, they always do this kind of pre-rehearsed uh, jam. Or actually, you know, it would be a better uh, example is probably um, – 
Rocket Queen. You know, they do this yeah. really long jam in the middle, and it's kind of rehearsed and whatever else. And some of GNR's song structures just don't lend themselves to that. You know, like uh, Coma, uh, Strange Jungle, like outside of the, 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 you know, do you know where you are? Break down in the middle of jungle. There's not really anywhere to go there. Um, you know, but on the other hand, I don't know, just start jamming on something too, you know? So, yeah. But like a, your example, your example, Dave Matthews, I always equate that to, um, like fish, like fish and Dave Matthews, their song structures are, you know, born out of jams. You know what I mean? They lend themselves right. better to that. Right, right, right. So, well, maybe they'll do, and even though this is a cover, but it's a staple, they need to have it, uh, knocking on heaven's door. And maybe they'll do it, uh, do it acoustically. And the reason I say well, that. Now why would they do that? Because that is one of the uh, the songs that has leaked since the last time we spoke. So that is why Russ TCP from my GNR forum is back on the show for Shotgun News. Because as soon as we posted that, that episode, uh, just, I don't know, the, the floodgates... I don't know. Someone gave the uh, the GNR locker an enema, and just everything just started coming out. That was a little too graphic. But it, uh, so w- let's just get into it. And I have something to say first, right? You want to apologize? Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, here, here's here's the segment. This is uh, I guess uh, I, I should name it the Russ apology segment or sorry. Well, like, yeah, like the like the Michael Jackson video Vanguard Award. It'll be the uh, the Russ TCB. Uh... Apology Center. Well, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to call it yet, but here's a a bit of sound. I'm sorry, Russ. That was as terrible as the rest of them. <laughs> Solid. 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 So, um, so yeah. Well, but yeah. So uh, you know, it's it's funny. I will start this by saying this: as soon as. Um, the full version of State of Grace leaked uh, the other day. The first thing I did was I texted a friend and I said, God damn it, I was ju- I was literally on a podcast going on and on and on, trying to sound all educated about how fake that clip was the other day, and now here's the whole song, and that clip's part of it. And a friend of mine suggested to me, he says, um, uh, well, if the guy just put the episode up, you know, ask him if he can edit it real quick. And I was like, I said, no, you know, I was wrong, and I'm more than happy to... Uh, to admit it, you know, and uh, I then then proceeded to go on pretty much an apology tour on uh, my <laughs> GNR, and uh, I seemingly got tagged every ten seconds with uh, people being like, uh, "See, I told you," and I was like, you know, but oh, yep, again, I I apologize. So now here, I would like to use the same form that I uh, went on to tell everybody how fake that clip was that I was, uh, as, as Dr. Cox would say on Scrubs, wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> so wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, so, yes, I was, in fact, uh, could not have been more wrong if I tried. And that uh, clip that came out of uh, State of Grace was not only real, but part of uh, what the general consensus is an, an excellent uh, GNR demo. Um, yeah, I, I, I really haven't done kind of going to come off as a slappy on this I, outside of silkworms, which is the worst uh, audio that anybody has ever recorded, including the entire catalog of Hanson. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I really haven't heard much that I don't like, you know, I know like last time we touched on this, you weren't really sold on, on uh, Atlas. I don't think it's the greatest song ever, um, but I don't dislike it by any means. And I really like state of grace. Um, I think perhaps it's probably my favorite. Um, I could take or leave knocking on heaven's door, but um, 
you know, I, it's just because we already have the use your illusion version. I wasn't, you know, totally sold on the way the 2002 lineup uh, did it. This is basically an acoustic version of that. Um, you know, so I could take or leave that, but I don't, you know, hate it or anything. Uh, and all this stuff, man, it just, it just, if you, if you look at my GNR form, you will see that the greater majority of the uh, response is just unbelievably positive, which I haven't seen anything like that amongst any fans of GNR in forever. You know, like that kind of, you know, where, where the greater majority of everybody thinks everything is fantastic. So, um, so to recap, I was wrong. And <laughs> the, uh, the clip from State of Grace was not only real, but part of a fantastic cut. I mean, what do, what do you think about it? Have you had a chance to listen to it? I, I tweeted, it was the same kind of reaction I got from listening to most of the Chinese Democracy album. Uh, oh, right on. Yeah, okay. I saw where... That. It, I, when I'm first listening to it, I'm like, what the hell is this? But I kept listening. I didn't want to shut it off. And then as soon as the song ended, I, it's like I, it grew on me as the song was going. And the song ends, I'm like, I think I liked it. I got to go back and listen to be sure. Yeah. And the second time around, I'm like, this is really good. This should have been on the first album. This should have been on Chinese Democracy. I thought it was great. Uh, the more I listen to it, it, it's just, again, the same approach, especially with uh, If the World on Chinese. I, I still remember uh, putting it in my, my disc man, uh, put, listening to it and going, what the fuck is this with the falsetto guitars coming off? And then by the time it's over, I'm like, I, I think I liked it. I think I liked that. Because it, it's just such, a, it's such an evolution from what Guns N' Roses started out as but it's still guns and roses i mean that's also another conversation uh, because we, the, the people who were you know involved in the track but state of grace uh i, I really it's, that might be along with a hard school my favorite to have uh, leaked so far i do like perhaps with uh, with brian may of queen it's finally we get to hear brian may more of what he he did on uh working with axel at that time and i feel like i get to listen to that more i like it but I feel like I'm missing out where everyone else is, is seemingly where they, they they've connected to the song. I, it's it's not blowing me away. Everyone's like, this is the greatest thing he's ever done. I like it. So what am I missing? I think just going off what we spoke about last time, I want to hear all these songs in context. I really think Chinese Democracy more than any other GNR record is an album that needs to be listened to as an album. I, there are songs on there that I may not like as much when they just come up uh, on my Spotify or iHeartRadio in, in the, the shuffle mode. But when it's you know, s- surrounded by Gesundheit, or, you, or I don't know if you coughed or... Uh, it, was, it was a cough, okay. but I, uh, I tried to pull the phone away, sorry. No, no, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful, it's okay. Just As long as you didn't cough in my face, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it just sounds like it's something that I want to hear what comes before and what comes after it. And I that's what I, I, I need, I think, at this point. But for the most part, I, I really enjoy what he has had done for a while. I'm I'm with you with the, the silkworms. I think that was so much of a uh a trial to be prodigy or the you know the utmost nine inch nailsy kind of song. And a lot of again what I've thought about uh, and I've tweeted this as well, I it just made me wish that Chinese was a dual record. 
that there were enough songs to make this a double mm-hmm. album and Axl Rose to come out there, you know, swinging his big metaphoric dick or whatever, saying, like, look at everything I've been doing, all these Chinese democracy jokes. Here's two fucking albums of, of, of uh, just massive material in your face. And I thought that would have been great. Yeah. You know, like, like what System of a Down did before they took a break or broke up or, or hiatus, they get, left us with a dual album. I, I thought that's that's what I want. Uh, but something else I've been thinking of, and you can tell me your thoughts, these could just be ideas that, this is what, the thought process came from when I was listening to uh, some podcast with Bill Burr, and when comedians go out to uh, clubs to test out jokes, and there's only so much testing that they, they can do until they actually go out in front of people and perform it, and they may not be finished products yet. They can see what works, what doesn't work, and the same could be said for a song. So until you put it down there, and of course that's what demos are, but it could be completely different. So these, again, I don't know what to make of these yet. These can just be rough drafts, a first draft. I mean, they're hell of a they're a hell of a first draft. Some of these songs, but I just don't know what the finished product would be. But it's just as you said, the, the majority of the opinion on the forums. Uh, I'm, I'm with it. It's been great. Just knowing how much great material and how hard he had worked throughout all this time. And now it just makes me think, I really wish, I really hope there's unreleased, unleaked material out there. Uh, so we know, we don't know what Slash and Duff are working on. And they're not going to, it's not going to be a song that like hard school that we fell in love with the sound. And now all of a sudden slash and Duff are doing something completely different with it. So th- these leaks are just, or, or as we discussed last time, last episode, it's a different beast than the Chinese leaks, but it's still, it's still cool. It's still, uh, you know, what, what did you tweet? You said, uh, you know, uh, first time in, since 2008, I get to listen to new guns and roses songs. You know, this is the greatest day of my life or something. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but, you know, and actually, uh, credit where credit's due, I actually stole that from uh, Powerage, uh, the, the mod on uh, my GNR. He, he's the one that posted that because I, I, it didn't even cross my mind. You know, he said, uh, he said if I'm not mistaken, we're listening to, like, the, this is the first time since, you know, the 2008, we've got to listen to two new GNR tracks in the same day. And that, just him mentioning that casually hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, holy shit. Like, it's been 11 years since I've been able to listen to two new G- GNR songs in the same day, you know, which is crazy, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I agree with what you're saying. And, and you know, the thing is, uh you know, I we don't know if Axel listens to this or not, or or if anybody associated with Axel does. But <laughs> you know, if if I would imagine that if Axel was to hear, hear everything you just said about, you know, uh, I wish it was two albums, and so I know I, you know, that his response would be something along the lines of, yeah, yeah, me too. You know, uh, because <clears throat> for years, and there was the uh, thing where he had said that you know there was going to be. Um, three three albums and and so on and you know and what they were playing live back in 2001 and 2002 wasn't uh you know just a uh everything that was done and don't worry about that there was plenty of material that was done and the idea was that they'd you know release a record and then uh, do a tour cycle release a record do a tour cycle and the whole idea was that there was going to be uh three of them so you know who knows everything that went on i mean the, the common uh 
narrative out there these days is basically that Jimmy Iovine and Bob uh, Ezrin fucked this up for everybody because they're the ones that told Axel back in 99 or 2000 that he really didn't have any good material. And here now all the fans are um, years later saying, you know, well, now that we've heard even more of it, like we, we, we side with Axel. Like I, I can't believe how many people on my GNR have been, had the attitude of, you know, well, I'll be damned. You know, Axel was right the whole time. You know, like he did have the cuts and you know, a lot of the, what's interesting is a lot of people are saying, I really wish Axel would have had the self-confidence, um, to just go through with releasing them. And, and we don't know the legalities of all that. It's not like he could have just went out and pressed a bunch of CDs on his own and put them out or whatever. But, right. It, it couldn't, we don't you know, know it, if it, it was the confidence. Sorry, go ahead. Um, well, I, you know, I will, I'll tell you this much, you know, like Bob Ezrin is one of my favorite producers of all time or was Bob, uh, uh, you know, because he produced the wall, which the wall is like inarguably my favorite record of all time by anybody if if i was recording music and bob ezrin came by and listened to it and told me i didn't have anything that'd be a huge blow to me yeah. you know and we know and we know axel respects the hell out of uh jimmy Iovine. so does the rest of the industry so you know if you get a double shot of jimmy Iovine and, and, and bob ezrin telling you that you don't have the tunes man i, I don't care who you are you know you're gonna take that real 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 bad to me to me all that ended up happening was you know we waited another eight nine years for axel to continue adding layers to things trying to find the magic potion that was going to make everybody say oh these songs were great when they were great in the first place it's just the two the two the, you know these two key figures told them they weren't and that's what led to all the layering and everything and what you know thinking that you know, eventually you'd make them better when they were great in the first place. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 obviously we're all trying to get inside uh, Axl Rose's head and it's, it's hard to believe. And I guess at the same time, it's not that he would have a self-confidence problem at this stage of his career. Uh, I guess with, with Chinese, the amount of pressure that it was essentially his band at the time, uh, you know, that, that Slash isn't coming in, Duff isn't coming in, that it's all, the pressure is all on him to put this out. And he has to get, hear opinions from other people if, unless he's just that much of a, I don't know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know Billy Corgan as much as uh, Brad Buchanan, but where Billy Corgan will just put out whatever he wants and doesn't give a shit, you know, who it is, even if it's not the, the real Smashing Pumpkins at the time. But it's been real interesting to see the 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 leading up to the recent leading up to and the aftermath of uh, Tool's Fear Inoculum, and, and especially how open Maynard has been about everything about the process. I think at one point he uh, he had made a statement saying this album would have been even cool uh, eight years ago, uh, saying that it, it should have been out so long ago. And uh, what so I think is really important to get out there uh, with. Maynard being the so-called face of Tool, and and the, obviously and the voice. So that comparing that to Axel, you know Maynard's receiving death threats. When is this album going to come out? But it's not all on him. It's all it's on the other members. So there's always more to the story. Uh, obviously, yeah, we're sure. we're here to speculate. That's why you know we created this. I created this podcast. You know that's why sports radio does what it does. It, it would just be nice, again, if there was a little bit of transparency uh, between what's going on and just us speculating, because GNR seems to get mad when you speculate. Uh, so yeah, uh, it, that's, that's what's crazy. It's, it's good to know that these songs do exist. 
<clears throat> Sorry, your, your coughing is, I guess it is uh, contagious. So yeah, these, turns out it transfers over cellular towers. Yes, these uh, the songs do exist. We just don't know what stopped them from coming out. Was Axel unhappy with them? And it's also interesting that the instrumentals of a better came out. What was it called? It was three dollar pyramid. That was the yeah, name of it. Three dollar pyramid. Yeah. And that also goes to show uh, something we've spoke about on this podcast, and it was breaking news on this podcast where Brain was talking about the general and how the general. Uh, of course, all the years of speculating what it could mean, and uh, every song uh, is seemingly about Slash, according to people. And he just named it that because he just was eat, finished eating General So's chicken. So who knows right. what these titles mean, if they're real titles. So it's just with all these question marks, all these variables of, of why things happen, when things may happen, just to have stuff that's tangible and and know that Axel wasn't just, I don't know, just partying uh, for the past couple decades, that he was hard at work, and there is a major template. There are, I'm sure, more templates than there were, uh, song templates than there were, well, we're aware of to go forward with this band. So that's why I do have confidence. You know, yeah, that, so, and that's funny. Someone someone mentioned the other day about, like, you know, uh, it was it was, it was was very, very minor, in the minority, but somebody that said they didn't like, you know, anything that they'd heard so far and how disappointing this was that, um, you know, they finally heard these other tracks and, they, you know, it didn't live up to what they wanted it to and whatever. And, you know, my thought on that is, you know, well, okay, let's take, quote, unquote, $3 Pyramid for an example. Look at the monster track that that became. Yeah. You know, so, you you know, who knows all of the um, instrumentals that are out there and, and you know, and, and who knows what else is going to be done, you know, to these tracks. You know, we're hearing like very, very early uh, sketches, you know, I mean, who knows how many different ways these things have been changed around um, <laughs> since then. But if you, if you, if you focus solely on the track that became better, you know, you look at the skeletal idea of the song is there in $3 Pyramid, but, you know, Robin added his solo after that. Axel added some some of my favorite Axel uh, lyrics, you know, and it became a monster song. Um, so, you know, just going by that, saying you can tell the future, I don't think is a good idea at all, you know. No, you can't. I, 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 if anything, it's just a foundation that there is stuff, <laughs> that there was stuff, and there's things to look forward to. Uh, I think most people, we all have to stop at a certain point with the speculation because, well, I guess I can't even say that because people have been speculating on your forum for two decades. And, you know, right. <laughs> it's fun to talk about, but it's just, uh, it's great that he's back, uh, Axel, with Slash, with Duff. You know, uh, Richard is there, who's been through all this, through thick and thin. Of course, Dizzy Reed as well. Uh, I, I want to see, I, I would like for Melissa to be a major com contributor. I think she would be great, especially since Brain is not in the band anymore. I think she would bring some of that Brain kind of uh, thought process to building songs since they work so closely together. It's just, it leaves a lot of hope going forward, especially since... <sighs> You know, to make this a timely podcast, we keep losing our heroes. Uh, I think since the last episode, we lost the money man, Eddie Money, and last night, uh, Rick Ocasek passed away from the cars. Mm -hmm. And I think it was uh, the, the radio personality, Lou Brutus, that said it best. 
um, and I'm paraphrasing something he posted, that this unfortunately is the tip of the iceberg because the people that we grew up with, uh, or I, I mean, we're the same ages, but I grew up on classic rock radio, even though most of these guys are old, way older than me, but they're in their 70s now. Uh, Axel's pushing 60. Oh, man, don't even get me started on that. I, You know, a couple of what the, the, the worst year in rock memory that I can think of uh, uh, as recently is um, stuff like um, – uh, it is 2016, man, when we lost like Prince and Bowie, and it just seemed like every two minutes uh, we were getting word, you know. And I keep talking about this with friends of mine, man. We're we're on the wrong side of this battle, man. It's going to be real, real soon that we're going to end up with, uh, you know, we're, we we still have a high number of. Uh, I think everybody except for a deal that's ever been involved in Sabbath is uh, is still alive. You know, we're going to lose those members. We're going to lose yeah. the guys and uh, the, the surviving members of Zeppelin. Um, you know, all the Stones are still alive. Like, you know, we're going to hit a point soon where you know people don't live forever. You know, like again, Pink Pink Floyd. I mean, Roger and Sid have already passed, but Nick, Dave, and Ray, um, Roger are you know they're in their seventies. You know. That's um, why Sammy. It, it, that's why Sammy Hagar's yeah. like, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just move forward. But right. you know, But I mean, Eddie Van Halen is what it is, who he is, and that's why David Lee Roth uh, is now going to Vegas. He's like, I can't wait for Eddie Van Halen. We're, we, I can't get back time. I can't get back these years. So that's why it's awesome that they put this stuff behind them. I hope for at least one show, at least one with Adler and Izzy, while everybody is still fucking alive because you will not get time back. You lost the years of breaking up. I mean, that's life. That happens. You know, you can't judge it. But if you're in a place later in life and you have all this material, your fan base still wants it, you know, this is what you do for a living, get it out there. Put it out there. What's the harm in it? What is it? It's not going to do anything to your legacy that it's going to hurt it. It's not. Because you will always be Guns N' Roses. You are, I've always have those legacy songs. You know, Welcome to the Jungle is going to be played forever. It's going to be, you know, like Heartbreak Hotel. Elvis died a long time ago. It's still being played forever. You're, you're a legacy act. You're a legacy band that can still create awesome music, great music. Axel had everything against him. Chinese had every reason to be a bomb, to be a, just like a complete bomb, and it didn't because the talent is there. The music is there. He got the musicians, the right guys to, to, to replace... The irreplaceable, you know, he, so th- I think that's what fans are, are just so hungry. It's like, just, just do it. Just help us. And I, I don't know. I don't know if it's being selfish, but they chose this career. If he, if he just wanted to be, you know, not be famous and just wanted to do his own thing, he could be Izzy and just go home, but he's not, he's out there. He's touring constantly. Yep, and that you know, and which I guess brings us back to the top, which, uh, which kicks off with a surprise show, uh, this weekend, which I think is cool. You know, I posted that earlier that I, th- I, I think, I think that's really neat. There's a lot of things that all of us, uh, always say, Oh, I wish you and I would do this. Oh, I wish they would do that. Oh, other bands do this. It's not hard for other bands, you know, and other bands do things like this where they have a tour scheduled and they do a, uh, you know, a surprise show in, in a small venue or whatever. And that's what GNR is doing this Saturday. I think, I think it's really cool. I mean, if, it, if, if, you know, the past couple of weeks hadn't gone the, the way they had, I think it'd be the biggest news in the GNR world and quite in the fan base in quite some time that's true you know? yeah 
now now everybody will be instead of over the weekend uh, pre-complaining about the set list, they'll be complaining (laughs) about it on Saturday night instead. I guess these are good things to complain about because of just all those years. Oh, I agree. Especially that, you know, you, you know, being on the forum, how just how dormant it was and just anything, you know, just the, the dumbest stuff and the, the most non-news would become news because we were so desperate for anything. But they are a touring act. They are successful. They all talk about new music. We have actual proof that there are other songs uh, we just don't know what's going to be become of them. Maybe all these leaks were are, are going to stay as that just leaks, and he has this whole other locker full of you know uh, of, of songs that are going to be uh, on the next album. So just again, things to look forward to, and, and that's all I can, I can ask for as someone who's doing a Guns N' Roses podcast. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it would be hard doing it about a band that's inactive or, or, or past, you know, it's going to be interesting for all these, uh, kiss podcasts. What are they going to talk about once this, uh, this most recent farewell tour is over? It's funny that you mentioned that, you know, it's like, uh, some of my all time favorite artists, uh, that I use in the same breath as JNR, there's nothing new to discuss because they've, you know, either like, like Pink Floyd, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the two members have passed, but, uh, you know, the last time they toured was in 94. You know, so it's like I've never joined a Floyd uh, forum because what am I going to do? I'm going to talk about, you know, the same same stuff over and over. And, you know, there's nothing new in Floyd land. Just uh, what, about, you know, say, uh, Roger Waters' political about, opinions. That's about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which I don't want to discuss that with anybody. No, you know, <laughs> me neither. You know, and then, uh, and then, uh, but you know, like, and then, like, I'm a huge Elvis Presley fan. You know what I mean? Like, I, what, what are we gonna discuss? So, yep, yep, you're right. Elvis was the king. Yep, he sure was. Okay, end of threat. You know, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> what else? You know, what are we gonna discuss <laughs> on an entire, uh, uh, you know? forum about about those acts so even gnr at least with the uh, you know the, the super inactive years you know like uh i think that i think the, probably the darkest times on the forum was, was probably like oh late oh two to uh to like late oh five um well when they, the tour, when they canceled the tour, tour got, yeah when the tour got canceled and then you know there was literally no uh, no information coming from anywhere about anything, you know, uh, it, it, but it, still the forums were active and everybody was talking about, you know, at least some of the shows that had happened and whatever. And so, you know, like you kind of what you said, you know, I, I'm happy to have a set list to bitch about, man. I, you know, I wish I could be sitting around bitching about Pink Floyd set list or Michael Jackson set list or Elvis Presley set list. You know, I wish I had that luxury, but you know, I, I, I don't, it's, it, it actually to bring it back to, we, I talked about Prince passing away in 2016, but, uh, I got to see Prince four times uh, while he was with us. And awesome. uh, the last time that I got to see him was in uh, Detroit about a year before he died. And uh, I went online just kind of looking to see uh, what the shows were about and whatnot. Cause I knew a little, you know, these were without going on a diatribe, they, they were, they were all pop-up shows. And so it wasn't like a tour with a theme or anything. And the previous times that I had seen Prince, I knew what the tours were about, you know, and kind of how things would revolve, uh, would evolve as far as the show went. And the number one thing that I saw about the print shows at that time was people were bitching about the set lists uh, that, um, you know, he had played almost identical set lists in each city leading up to that point and, you know, so on and so forth. And it's like, well, first things first, the show was amazing. Uh, and second of all, I, I bet everybody would love to have a print set list to bitch about today. Yeah, that's a very you know? good point. You're right. 
You're right. Yeah, people bitch about stuff until it's gone. You know, you, you got to appreciate yep. well, what you have while it's here. Yep. And that's certainly what I'm doing with Guns N' Roses for the most part. I'm not going to, I don't bitch. I mean, I, I, when I talk about the set list, that's just me reaching for something to say, oh, well, I'm not the biggest fan of, of, of this. Because I, as someone who didn't grow up, I didn't, with uh, Appetite, as far as being able to see that roster, I didn't get to go see any of the Illusion show shows. I want to see those tracks played live. That that that's just something I want to experience. You know, I finally got to see Axel and Slash on stage together. Cool. That's a that's a yeah. You know, I'd uh, be 100 percent honest with you. I had a buddy of mine when they opened the show here, the tour here in 2016. I had a buddy of mine that was down on the floor. I was up in the lower bowl, and the dude, uh, full grown man, texted me. Because uh, he he's a little bit younger than me, and I had I saw GNR in ninety one, ninety two, and ninety three, um, and so this was a brand new experience for him seeing uh, uh, Axel and Flash on stage together. And about a minute and a half into Estranged, I got a text from him that said, uh, "It said no bullshit. I'm uh, crying open tears right now, like watching Flash and Axel play this song together." And that you know that's how the how music should move you. You know, like yeah. I could have sat there. And said, "Oh, they played Estranged in Las Vegas a couple of months ago, you know, because <laughs> I went to the second Vegas show, you know, or oh, I can't believe they're doing Coma here too, you know. But how about instead we'd be excited to see, you know, them out rocking, and, and you know, they opened the tour in my hometown, in the biggest uh, place you can play here, and you know, they were doing Chinese songs, which I love, which." Side note of that, I had a friend, or not a friend, a total random stranger actually, lean over during the Chinese democracy uh, cut and says, uh, how do you know all the words to this? And I, and I said, because it's the title track of Chinese democracy. And he goes, you're kidding me. This song kicks ass. And, you know, <laughs> I, if this was 10 years ago, I probably would have got all pissed off and, uh, you know, uh, gave him a big, huge lecture in the beer line about it. But instead, you know, we just high-fived and he went about uh, – enjoying it you know and so there's there's positive takeaway of everything you know even even uh, i'm sure if i tried really hard i could find some sort of positive in silkworms and uh you know what we'll, <laughs> we'll make that my homework for i don't know another another year or two or so when i'm uh back on the show we'll make that my homework i'll try and find a uh uh, something positive to say about uh, silkworms. Okay. Well, I'd like to think it'll be uh, before another year or two before you're back on. We just had you back, uh, back to back because you know you had to apologize about the state of grace. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Russ. I'm sorry, I don't think layering that my vocals would have helped. So some people have it, some people don't. You should. Uh, I do not have it. Tweet it to Master Bach and see if you can get him to drop a harmony on that. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. He, see, he seems to love that "quote unquote" doom metal song. So. Yeah, I know the doom metal song. That's right. Oh, that's crazy. Like Doc well, McGee said, man. Uh, Sebastian Bach, uh, 100 miles per hour, zero IQ. <laughs> my, I, and I, I don't get me wrong, I adore Sebastian Bach. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just it, it, it makes me laugh every single time I think of uh, Doc McGee saying that because if you, if you take it in a lighthearted manner, it's probably the most uh, accurate way to describe Sebastian Bach. Savage animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have, oh, my God. Savage animal. Savage animal. <laughs> man, I missed that show. That was great. Uh, but, I mean, I really appreciate yeah. you coming on again for Shotgun News and uh, uh, the, the Russ Sorry segment. <laughs> and we'll, we'll do this again, of course. And, you know, uh, it goes to show you that as, as much in the know 
or quote unquote in the know as you and I are, you running a forum, me doing a podcast, at the end of the day, we really don't know shit. And it was proved last episode where I'm like, are there going to be more leaks? Hours later, five more. You're like, ah, eh, State of Grace is fake. Hours later, the whole song leaks. It's awesome. Yeah, so okay. we only know so much. <laughs> and that's yeah, why we... That, that's we, for damn sure. Yeah, for sure. And that's why we always appreciate uh, people chiming in, whether it be on you know Russ's forum, mygnrforum.com, or, uh, of course, uh, on, on my podcast page on Facebook, facebook.com, slash AFD show, or on Twitter at uh, the AFD show. So... Uh, whether it be on the post that this episode is on or just a random message you send me or him, glad to bring it up for future episodes and glad to uh, keep the conversation going because this band keeps going. Right on. Cool. Thanks for having me, man. I, I, I appreciate you uh, affording me the opportunity to get on. I have no, like I said, I have no problem uh, saying I was wrong. It was a good thing to be wrong about, right? Oh, of course. And I'm the same thing with, with myself. I said that first episode with Scotto. If there's anything that I say that's factually inaccurate on an episode, tell me and I'll fix it. And I'll, I'll fix the, uh, the sorry uh, intro and I'll say Brandon instead of Russ. So we'll see. So if this, of course, all listeners, please correct. I wish we had a, you know, a producer here or uh, this was a live show where you can call in and be like, oh, wait, th- th- that was wrong. It was this. But, you know, we work within our parameters. So, uh, you know, being being sorry is okay. Being sorry is okay. Being wrong is okay. To err is human. Unless you're excellent and then everything is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, Russ, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll you're do welcome. this again. Sure. Right on. So that does it for episode 146 of Appetite for Distortion. Of course, uh, again, thank you to Scott Gorm from Black Star Writers and Thin Lizzy for joining us. Thanks again to Russ TCB from IGNRforum.com. And however you listen to this program, thank you, whether it's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Spotify. Also, you can find us through AlternativeNation.net. And I started a... Finally, I, I put up a, a Patreon account, so you can just find us at uh, patreon.com slash the AFD show, maybe, or you can, I'm sure you can do a search for Appetite for Distortion. Well, I, I, I know Patreon has been a thing for a while for a lot of, it could be podcasts, it can just be for anyone with some sort of startup, startup projects or business. Uh, I, whenever, I guess since the beginning, because people, uh, a lot of people have asked me if I have one, wanting to contribute uh, monetary donations. And I always felt awkward about it, I guess. I, I don't want to accept your hard-earned money. I know I work hard on the podcast, and I appreciate all of you who recognize that as well. But it's great that I'm able to do this kind of on, on in a way, my work time. Uh, I mean, I'm in the studio a lot. I'm always doing what I need to do here at iHeartRadio as, as far as keeping my job. But I'm lucky that I get to work in a radio studio and, and get to do these podcasts, you know, on my home turf, uh, so to speak. So it was nothing that really cost me anything. However, just with the amount of people asking me and, and knowing that there are people out there making money online for doing the dumbest shit, you know, bad parody songs eating stupid things, you know, uh, doing tricks, hurting themselves, and people donating money to that. I'm not that low level, so I'd like to think whatever money I do get, and I appreciate those of you who have donated so far, 
there are things I would like to do. Uh, the first thing I want to say is just the only thing I would ask for you to donate is your time, which you already are doing by listening to this podcast, by following on social media. To me, that's just the greatest. But if you choose to do a mon- monetary donation, no matter how big or small, it doesn't matter. There are ideas that I would like to put into place. I know I, I've spoken about, I haven't spoken about the t-shirts in a long time that I put on the back burner because that's going to cost me money. So, you know, assuming I make a certain amount, I would make t-shirts and, and get, you know, if you're a Patreon uh, subscriber, I could give you a t-shirt for free or I can make more and, and start selling those so people can be wearing Appetite for the Distortion t-shirts. I mean, that's always cool. You never you know, make bumper stickers or, or whatever. Uh, also, something that I would like to invest in is uh, remote equipment. So when uh, perhaps like a tribute band like Appetite for Destruction is in town or Paradise Kitty, I can go down to their show and do a podcast live from the venue. Uh, well, quote unquote live from the venue. I think that would be pretty badass to do uh, some on the road AFD shows. Uh, at some point, I would like to build a, just like you know, a website in addition to the social media. And in that course, that costs money. So there are a lot of things, a lot of ideas that I ha- I've had. I- I'm lucky that I've been in radio for you know 15 plus years. I worked for a lot of different uh, radio stations, radio companies, worked with different people. I feel I have a good understanding of what works, what doesn't work, and how to involve the, the listener. Because radio doesn't exist, obviously, without the, the listener. The podcast doesn't exist without the listener, and I don't. I'm not one of the these talents that just, you know, your 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 gift is the sound of my voice. Your gift is the content. No, it's it's not. I would like to give you something tangible. I appreciate those of you who really dig this podcast and who have listened to all the episodes some multiple times, which just blows my mind. So there are just. A lot of ideas cooking in my head that I would need capital for. Uh, nothing pressing, nothing demanding, so there's certainly no pressure to do anything. I'm just letting you know uh, the AFD show now has a Patreon, and if you donate, amazing. If not, just as amazing. I just appreciate you all being here. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you hear the next one? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.